perfect. Sorry. Okay, I'm ready. Now you can hit record. <laughs> okay. Did you already? <laughs> oh, maybe I'll edit it out. Maybe we'll just leave it as is. Okay. All right. Welcome to The Bruised. This is the first episode of our podcast. My name is Todd Bagley, and my co-host is Lindsay Bagley. Um, we're here to, for this first episode, introduce ourselves and our background and the idea of the bruised. The general theme of the bruised being that it's, it is for people who know that it hurts, but still want to be like Jesus. That's a good statement. I can't look at you and not laugh. Okay. It's okay. This will be okay. People, it's good that people know that you can still carry a sense of humor okay. after being through stuff. All right. So first off, Lindsay told me I needed to give a little bit of background on myself. You can also check out a little additional material on me at thebruised.com. Spell it. T-H-E-B-R-U-Z-D.com. Uh, the intent here is to kind of share our own story of our family dealing with mental illness with certain individuals, mainly myself, and how that has affected our relationship, our faith, our family, basically all, life in general. All, yeah, all important aspects of life. So again, just to give, give my history as far as mental health issues go. First off, I, I grew up in a family that eventually, I was the fifth of 12 children. My family was active in, in our faith, the LDS Church. I grew up in near Salt Lake City, Utah. I, I had ADHD as a youth um, in the mid-80s. And severe enough to the point where my kindergarten teacher mandated that I be on some form of medication to be able to attend class. I began experiencing major depression and social anxiety at the age of 15. But despite all of these difficulties, I was still able to graduate high school, serve a two-year mission for my church, then go on to graduate college, attend and graduate dental school, as well as a pediatric dental residency, and finally start and run a successful pediatric dental practice. All while that madness was stirring within me. And it's interesting to hear your timeline of things that you had to do. Right. Huh. So on that timeline, we get married between the mission and the end of graduating undergrad. Right. Yes, we did. We did get married. Yeah, I know that was fun. So on our outline here, we have you listed as giving a little bit a background of yourself before we were married, you and I. I mean, I was probably pretty boring, actually. Grew up in Salt Lake. I mean, you're younger than Todd. We attended the same high school. Um, pretty normal teenager. Never honestly really suffered from any sort of mental illness. Wasn't quite sure what that even was until, uh, I mean, I guess what it was in depth till I was engaged to Todd, but um, just pretty easygoing teenager, had a family that um, was an awesome family, but we were also realists, so I wasn't 
totally unaware that there were hard things in life for sure. Um, yeah. Sweet. I know. No, that's good. Right. Pretty average teenager. Yeah. I mean, I remember you in high school or at least seeing you in high school. You were a pretty upbeat individual. Yeah. Jovial, social, yeah. Very lots social. of friends. Right. Yeah. Um, me, on the other hand, in, in high school, dealing with things like depression and social anxiety, um, I had a good cover. So there was probably a lot of people that didn't know that I was Yeah, I would say I was most people that. didn't know. Right. Um, I was on the soccer team. I was also played in the orchestra. Weird combination. Mm -hmm. I got kicked out of one of those at one point in time. <laughs> um, but if, if you hung around people, if you were to ask people that I hung around with during those time frames, guaranteed they'd always say that there's always or there's occasionally something that's off with Todd when it comes to social situations. Yeah, I wouldn't have noticed that, I don't think, because we didn't hang out a ton in high school. But, yeah, maybe at that time there was definitely questions. It's still like, oh, that's an interesting behavior. Mm -hmm. That's, he just didn't show up or stuff like that. Sure. And as far as, like, our interaction socially, we didn't actually socialize much until after no, I had graduated after. from high school. Um, and your senior year. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure at some point in time, with my friends that I was seeing at that point in time, I, there's certain distinguishing things that set me apart from them. Oh yeah. You weren't, you weren't necessarily like the friends you were hanging out with. I think you were a more serious individual, more, I mean, you were prepping for a mission too, and you were one of the first ones to leave. So that definitely played a part, but you were definitely more serious, more, you liked more intelligent conversations. You weren't really into like, Fluff for fluff's sake, even then. Sure. Yep. I would agree with that. Yeah. Um, so as far as our relationship went, I went on my mission. Uh, went on his mission. Two years. And wrote us almost every week, me and a group of friends. Yeah. And I actually liked Lindsay beforehand. She didn't know she liked me until afterwards. <laughs> Something like that. <laughs> That's a whole nother episode. <laughs> it's like, that would be a great episode. No. Okay. I guess not. <laughs> Um, so I came home from my mission, uh, a couple things happened later within like three months we were dating. Yeah. It was pretty fast. Yeah. yeah. And within a month or two after that, cause I had known all the time that like Lindsay was solid enough for me. We were engaged after like two months. Yeah. That was pretty fast. <laughs> you wanted to talk about it way sooner than a month though, by the way. Did I? Or by two months. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Well, I'm not going to deny that. <laughs> but yes, it was quick, but we were engaged for a long time. Like seven months. Yeah. Like, yes. That's a long. That was a long that time. felt long. Yeah. In so, our sphere of the world, it yeah. felt long. So we got married in August of 2000. Um, at that point in time, I had one semester of college under my belt. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> that's the part when you were going through the outline that that was so funny i'm like wow we've really lived through a lot of things <laughs> like one math class done yeah yeah so I, it wasn't even a full semester <laughs> oh i guess one semester no, done by the time we got married no, we were engaged 
So, but there are a couple of things that yeah. we should probably mention as far as dating went that were unique because of, because I did, I knew I had depression and I yes. felt like I needed to be forthright with that information to you. Yeah. And we knew that before you went on a mission, friends, not the depths of it, but I think you were, you've always been open about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I don't think I understood fully what that meant. Yeah. For a kid in the <clears throat> mid nineties to be able to be talking about those types of things, that was unique. Oh, definitely. I, I don't know anybody else. I didn't have any other friend being like, yo, I mentally can't hang sometimes. Just so you're aware. <laughs> I may lose it here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I didn't know anyone else that said that but you. Um, which as far as my own experience, I've got to credit my mom in, in helping me re- recognize that and being, and being uh, active towards addressing the problems that came along with depression. Whereas, well, and quickly, she didn't deny. Correct. Yeah. She saw the problem. She'd actually, her own father had experienced major depression. And so she was able to identify it within me at that young age of 15. And from that point forward, it was, let's be productive about this, not try and hide it. Which is, oh, yeah. But I don't think she could really hide much from you because you'd had such a bout with ADD. And sure. I mean, I don't think there was anything to hide. Yeah. From you. People you were always very knew, outward. People always knew something was up. Yeah. Yeah. This kid smells funny. Well, not even smells. Getting kicked out of preschools and biting and. Yeah. Yeah. So, but. People, people knew. People did know. So, when we were dating, you knew a little bit. And at the point uh, where. Yeah. And the point where we start discussing marriage. I just came right out and said, okay, just so you know. You did. And you explained it actually pretty well. And it's not like. Not like at that point in time that you could really conceive what my depression would look like for the rest of my life. No, not at all. But it was, at least I had given you the chance to be able to say, okay. I'm out. Yes. Yeah. You did give me the chance to say I'm out. I didn't go anywhere. I know. What does that say about me? Either you're (laughs) stupid or (laughs) seriously brave. Probably a little bit of both. Right? Yep. Okay. So, and then we dated and... I think we had talked about just earlier one, one important point where I think your family started picking up a little bit on, oh yeah, on where I was coming from because I was open with your family about it as well once we became engaged. I mean, you were yeah, you were definitely open with them. You were open with everybody. I think that was what was unique about you, like we established earlier. You did not. Yeah, this is just what it is. Yeah, you didn't hide anything. But I remember having a conversation. Um, your parents were in the car and you were talking about how excited you would get when I would knock on your door. <laughs> Those giddy days of right? engagement. And you're like, don't you feel that way? And I said, no. <laughs> <laughs> and your mom goes, what did your mom say? <laughs> that's, that, that's, there's Something a problem like, there. That's problematic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and oh, I still well. didn't pick it up. <laughs> Man, sweet. Ignorance is bliss. Yeah. But there was definitely something deeper there than just the fluff. So it didn't matter really. Yeah. And that's why I like you from the very get go. And that I could tell that even though you were a very upbeat young woman, that you also, you also appreciated in-depth conversations. Yeah. I was more of a thinker versus just a fluffer. Sure. I don't know how you'd phrase that, but. Yeah. So we got married. We did. Uh, it was a great day. It was a great day. Do you want to 
remember how you talked about, <laughs> well, I guess she's the one if I don't get on a wreck on the weight. <laughs> yeah. No, that was a great statement. Uh-huh. I knew, I knew, okay, that this was the path that I was supposed to take if I didn't get in a car accident on the way to a wedding. And he tells me that on the day. <laughs> I'm like, so it's cool. Yeah. I, I found out. I'm like, that's the only reason because you didn't get in the car uh-huh. Nobody from up top intervenes, so they're cool with us at least going through this. I guess it's a go. But honestly, the funny thing about that day, I mean, it actually ended up being an amazing day. But do you remember we were sitting in the temple, in the room in the temple called the Slasher Room, and there was that (laughs) That other other couple couple that was in there. I'd like to see where that other couple is. And they looked so scared and so, I don't know, how would you describe it? I know they were probably realists. They're like, oh my gosh. Or, or they just literally had a huge fight. Yeah. And we were both just so worried <laughs> for them. Do we need to go consult? Worried for them. But I do remember seeing them and being like, well, at least we're not feeling that way. <laughs> or maybe we should. So we, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> let's do it. Yeah. I, oh man. They're like seared into my memory though. That's Bless funny. Them. Hopefully... You got married on August 3rd, 2000. You're doing okay. Huh. And if not, if not, that's okay. Come share your story. I know. <laughs> I'll be on the pod. <laughs> That'd be funny. So, but shortly after we got married, um, the reality of marriage kind of started setting in. Yes. As far as the social interaction between you and I went. Well, and they say the honeymoon phase that wore, that wore off very quickly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I know it's for myself. I mean, we had problems just interacting. I think you, just communicating. Communicating was a big key of it, but yeah. there was the assumption that just, of course, you're married, you want to be close to each other, you want to serve each other all the time. Yeah, um, I was a nurturer. Yes. You did not want to be over nurtured. Yes. I was an over nurturer. Correct. Yeah. Um, and in trying to respond to that, I, I hadn't developed the skill to be able to be like, I don't want your nurturing right now. It's actually making me angry. Which I assumed actually needed more nurturing. <laughs> Correct. So that that's yes. your point, the, the lack of communication yes. there to be able to get those ideas out yeah. was, was problematic. Definitely. And I think it was weird too, because we, you had always been forthright and talking about struggles or your mental health. And so when you couldn't communicate that, I didn't pick up on the fact that you couldn't communicate that. You didn't know how to say that or what exactly you were feeling. So I almost assumed like nothing was wrong because you'd always been able to put that emotion into words, I guess. Interesting. Does that make sense? Yeah. So I don't think I picked up on it at first at all. I just thought you were quiet or, I mean, we're working and going to school and tired. You know what I mean? I just, I probably didn't pick up you didn't know how to explain it where in the past that was not normal for you. You always knew how to like put sure. your emotion in, into words. Yeah. I'd never been in a situation where I had to explain to my wife in this situation, this is how I'm feeling emotionally. Yeah. And you didn't really feel that dating though, did you? Um, no. Yeah. Not as much. Yeah. So, but so it was all new. Correct. It was new. It was yeah, something we would pick up on that dating at all. So we had to figure that out on the fly. Yeah. Yeah. And to be able to do so, we went, we, we visited with the counselor. Yeah. And the counselor was, was great. Super helpful. Yeah. Everyone should go to counseling. Everybody should. Everybody. Just to be able to know how to communicate better. Yep. <clears throat> so at that point in time, I think 
the big breakthrough as far as our communication was that there was a term that we actually yeah, we had agreed s- to call my yeah, resistance. We were sitting in there and I remember him saying, we need to give this emotion a name because so you could communicate it to me. But the most important thing was once we figured out what we wanted to call it, that I could not get take it personal. Because up to up to the point I was starting to take things personal, like, oh, he must not like me around. Oh, um, maybe my outfit's ugly today. Oh, maybe the dinner I made. Sure. Yeah. So I was starting to take every little thing personally. So that was actually super helpful. And the he called it. Did you come up with the name? Or I thought he? it was you. Oh, maybe it was me. Yeah. It's like anti-me. Oh, yes. I did say, I'm like, he's just like anti-me. And so we named that emotion anti, but I had to promise in that session too, that I would not, if you, you could be able to say when you're feeling anti, but I couldn't take it personal or I need to at least try sure. to not take it personal. To v- develop the ability to not take it personal. Yes. Yes. But that was a huge breakthrough day. Just sure. to even be able to say that. Yeah. And I think at that That's point. That's not to say that I didn't take it personal. Sure. But I tried not to. And I think it was, it went both ways in that I myself had to be, to recognize, okay, I, I know that I'm feeling anti right now. And that may not necessarily be the appropriate way to feel. Yeah. I have to fake it a little bit in scenarios so that I can make sure that Lindsay knows that I appreciate her. Yeah. Because it's not that I don't appreciate Lindsay. You just, it's the just feeling my, wasn't matching. The, yeah. Yeah. My emotions are broken. And they weren't matching the way you wanted to feel. Yeah. Yeah. So that was, I mean, that was fair. That was within the first year that we went to counseling. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Usually people have the honeymoon year mm-hmm. or just, you know what I mean? We didn't. I will say though, we, we attacked the problem quickly and went straight to camp. We didn't let anything fester. No. The minute there was. And our parents were really good at flags. encouraging that as well. Oh yeah. Yeah. So, so that was good. And that was not, it actually got worse before it got better. Totally. So this being, this meeting with the council within the first year was great, but it wasn't until the beginning of the second year that everything really kind of came to a head as to what the problems were. Yeah. And I mean, I think there were lots. I think too, part of it is your newlyweds. So everything's new. So that's stressful. Mm -hmm. Even when you're not mentally challenged. Or emotionally challenged, I should say. Um, we were both going to school, both working. <clears throat> I don't think we were prioritizing health, time, energy. I don't think I realized the energy that was taking alone, let alone for you, mm-hmm. mentally and emotionally, and then coming home and me getting nothing left. Yeah. But I didn't know. And I think we were both probably playing up to expectations of what we thought marriage was. Oh, yeah. Because you're told that it's this... The greatest thing ever. Right. When you're watching. Which is a good thing. Yes, it is yes. a good thing. But it definitely, in those first two years, it was not the greatest thing ever for us. Yeah. Here's the interesting thing. We're not yellers or fighters. So we weren't fighting. We were internalizing. Yes. I mean, there were things that came to a head one night, but we weren't like, even like snippy or mean to each other. No. There just was something was off, but we weren't. I and mean, we've never been that way. Really. Fighting. Like yeah, we're yeller. not fighters. No, yeah, we're not yellers or fighters with each other. We're with other people, but. Whatever. I'm not a yeller. <laughs> Neither am I. <laughs> Such. Okay, we don't fight each other and never have. Yeah. Yeah. 
So, so the, yeah, nothing was getting done. It was just building and building and building and building. So there was one night and a lot of this was building up. And this is just the true honesty of the whole thing. And that in my mind, I was having a hard time just being married, which I'm sure is something that is very common with everyone, yes. with many people, not everyone, but and many I was, people. And I was then seeing your hard time and trying harder, which made it worse. Mm-hmm. But I was it, like overdoing that. There, there was some of that, but I could see that your effort was good. Oh, yeah. I don't think either of us were intentionally trying to sabotage anything. Right. And if you were the type of person that would try and make me pay for the way that my emotions were broken, we would have split for sure. Oh, yeah. And I never felt that way, though. Mm -hmm. I never felt like, oh, he did this. So then I'm going to do this to to him. But I, I remember in my brain thinking to myself, because she's never been that way, because she's because she. Lindsay has always just been solid and good-hearted. Mm, I would feel like a... Hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> it's okay. debatable yeah. some days. But I would feel... I mean, one of the most disappointing things that I would feel is that if if I left Lindsay, that I would have damaged her despite her goodness. Well, and I think, too, the interesting thing was I grabbed on tighter and wanted... More marriage, more Todd, more connection, more intimacy, more all the things. Mm -hmm. You wanted less. Like we couldn't ever get on the same page. We were almost two extremes. Sure. Yeah. So we, this one night, came to a head. South Jordan Apartments, baby. Yeah. Should I actually read what I wrote about it? Yeah. I don't, the funny thing is, is it. You don't remember when it's that long ago and we've come so far since then. It was probably actually more traumatic than I honestly remember. I'm going to read this because it does, it does bring up points that I don't think we would recall now. Okay. I'm going to interject maybe here a little bit. Okay. No, that's fine. As you go, if something pops in my head, I will. Okay. So this is, this is a little documentation that I wrote about our marital events a couple of years later. Just to interject really fast, you've always been a documenter, which is amazing. This was actually one of the first ones that I've documented. But I mean, you always, when there was a big poignant event or a big crash or a big mental fallout, you've put it towards, which has been beneficial. That has been beneficial. Yes. So, all right. During the summer of 2002, the issue issue came to a head on the night of August 13th. My anti-attitude had elicited another episode. However, at this time, my resolve of deservedness, almost like I deserved better, better, Mm -hmm. which was the worst part of me. It's hard to admit, but yes, that was my mind frame. My resolve of deservedness had nearly devoured me. The logic that I had previously used to combat these thoughts was all but swallowed in the emotions that I experienced that night. And I told Lindsay that I did not love her. Lindsay, maintaining emotional strength, replied, well, why don't you leave me then? I dodged the question because I knew the answer and feared it. Instead, I twisted her words and said, you want me to leave? Okay, I will. The crazy thing is we're not even yelling. This is we're just having this conversation. Are we yelling at this point? No. I don't think we even yelled now. Yeah. Yeah. So I headed for the door. Lindsay beat me to the door and stated with tears in her eyes that she would not let me leave until I had answered her question. After a little scuffle for the doorknob, I reluctantly backed away and lay down on the apartment floor. 
She continued to press me for the answer as I ashamedly placed my hands over my face. Minutes of silence passed. Lindsay began to sob. Through her tears, she cried that she loathed the episodic nature of our marriage. She then knelt down and spoke softly into my ear, admitting that my inability to decide whether I wanted to be married or not was killing her. But that regardless of that emotion, she was committed to me. Crazy. And that was the statement that broke me. I was finally, uh, computer. Did it die? No. Jump. Wow, that was like the climactic point. Okay. Not really, but <laughs> it's interesting to hear you read it, though, because you kind of push those things out of your mind. Not that you wouldn't share them, but just time mm -hmm. and trauma. Yeah. <clears throat> time and trauma. Time and trauma. Our healers. All right. So back to this. <clears throat> she knelt down and spoke softly in my ear, admitting that my inability to decide whether I wanted to be married or not was killing her. But that regardless of that emotion, she was committed to me. And this was the statement that broke me. I was finally ready to tell her why I had not left previously. I reluctantly conceded that it was because I feared what my life would become without her. I knew myself enough that if I was to leave, I would never be able to face my own family because she was adored by them. And without my family as a support system, my depression would most likely push me to take my own life. Secondly, and more importantly, I would not be able to live the rest of my life being haunted by the fact that I had damaged Lindsay's innocent life because it was I who festered the shameful thoughts and it was I who should suffer for my own offenses. The justice of my own mind would not allow Lindsay to bear the anguish of the divorce at the filth of my own hands. The crazy thing to me at that point is divorce really never even entered my mind. Yeah, you were not thinking. No. Like this is all me. <clears throat> Festering this idea in my head over months, years. Yeah. And it never, I never took that. I never thought that was a route. It just didn't occur to me that that is a route. Yeah. Weird. Yeah. So it was, <laughs> I mean. I don't even know why. I knew people divorced. I knew, yeah. I don't know. I just didn't even think it was an option. Not an option for us. Mm -mm. Right? Nope. It wasn't even part of the thought process. No. Though. There were people around us at the time who who could sense that something was wrong. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think. Your dad called. Yeah. Your dad kind of pulled you aside at one point. Yeah, we were. Oh, sorry. <clears throat> we were, I think we were at Target shopping one day. And I don't know why I was with them. And it may have been one of my sisters, too. My mom and sister jumped out of the car. And my dad hurried and locked the door before I could get out. And just said. Does Todd need to return you? Does he need to bring you home? And I got teary and I just said, no. And that was it. That's all. I mean, he just said, okay, if he does, you let me know. So clearly people around us knew something mm -hmm. was off. And I had had conversations. It wasn't even that we were trying to hide it. I don't even think we knew what to. We were just in the middle of it. I didn't know what to really like make of it. Sure. Yeah. We were young. I mean, it's an experience that I'm sure, I'm sure that many people go through that yes. same experience, we but they don't know, they don't, nobody else talks about it. Mm -mm. And so it's hard for people to conceive, to prepare for that type of thing, or to be able to anticipate somebody may feel this way and that's normal. And this is how you combat that. That's what I'm saying. It was so new that I had no idea what it even was to tell people. Sure. And so our, it wasn't that I was hiding anything. I just didn't even know what it was. Yeah. 
in our culture, it's not, it's not something that you go around talking about those types of things. You want to put like a good face forward. Yeah. Well, and I think in that time period too, people still weren't talking emotionally about emotional situations or emotional in public very often. They just weren't. So some of the phrases that I could use now to describe it, like the anti-feeling or whatever, I had never heard before. Yeah. We didn't know what we were dealing with. We didn't didn't know. know. And on a church level, which a lot of us, we found a lot of our, our cohesion with our, how we connected with, I was not at this point in time, like actively talking about these types of things in our, our congregation. No, again, because I think it was not that we were necessarily ever trying to hide. We just didn't know what we were dealing with. Yep. Cause I think once we figured out what we were dealing with, then we were very open with people, but I just didn't, I don't think we knew. In that, like there was a, there was a sense of like, we're, we're the young people in, yes. in this congregation. How would I even try and bring this up? I'm going to yeah, make myself look right. talking to 25 year old or 25 year married people. Correct. Yeah. Right. <clears throat> I mean, it would just. It was awkward. The whole thing was awkward. Whole thing was awkward. Yeah. Um, so we had that night. I remember praying that night specifically. Very Wait, strong. So did you finish reading it though? So you don't answer my question. So I did answer your question. Well, let's see. What do I have written here? But it, Well, I guess the point is no one left. Correct. I admitted to you. I said this confession preceded a conversation that filled several hours the rest of the night. And we concluded the cyclical nature of our marriage had to stop. And I swore to myself that for Lindsay's sake, I would never let my natural emotions interfere with my relationship again. This resolution led me to pray that night more so than I ever had before for deliverance from my emotions. I had suffered from depression at this time for eight years. And I had become accustomed to blaming my imperfections on my chemical imbalance. Because I then viewed my depression as a physical cage in which my spirit could not escape. Um, The idea that my obsessive thoughts were causing the depression had not yet occurred to me. Historically, I believed my underachievement in social areas to be the result of a chemical imbalance. And I viewed my struggling marriage to now be the pinnacle of my social failures. Which is interesting, though, because I think we both played a part in making it worse. Not knowing that we were, Correct. but like you said, it wasn't just the chemical imbalance that was causing the problem. That was part of it, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. we just didn't know how to handle it or deal with it. Sure. So me holding on tighter absolutely made the spiral happen too. Not that I did that on purpose, but I didn't know. Correct. A lot of it being just the inability to communicate about what something that, happening. yeah, what was happening. And because it wasn't something that culturally is established. No. Or talked about. None of my friends would have ever. They probably wouldn't have even known how to respond to me if I said. This has happened at your house. Yeah. <laughs> so. So I say that. I say a prayer that night. And hoping that things will just go away. Um, that was naive. Go away. Well, very, very naive. Yes. Um, but very. I mean, I'm sure some 20. Very heartfelt. A young 20 year old couple could probably identify totally. with that. Totally. Naivety. Mm-hmm. So naivety is probably what got us through, actually, to a certain extent. Level. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was three weeks later that my appendix ruptured. It was only three weeks later. It was three weeks later after that night. Mm-hmm. 
almost, <laughs> which is weird. If you prayed for deliverance, you got it. Right. <laughs> I didn't realize it was three weeks all this time. I mean, I'm sure he did then, but. Yeah. I mean, if you write this in a book, the timing of it is. Yeah. Divine. Correct. Probably. Right. Yeah. And there's definitely. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> some influence there. But I remember <clears throat> I'd actually gone on vacation with my family up to a cabin in Idaho. And Lindsay wasn't with us. I had to work. I had to stay home. And I I was in such pain that I, I had to go down to the hospital, the local hospital in Rexburg, in Idaho. Rexburg. It was awesome. <laughs> the local. That wasn't local. It was a drive to Rexburg. It you was were in Highland Park. Yes. Um, but I remember talking with my dad about where I'd been with our relationship because I'd been open about my dad, open about that with my dad. I actually did want to point before. that out. We were, we were open once we realized what it was, we were open with our families. We weren't. Yes. Yeah. Um, and as, as he's driving me down to the hospital, he, he specifically made a point to ask me like, how, how are things going with you and Lindsay? And I, and I'm sitting there cringing because my, my, my abdomen. <laughs> your just, insides are exploding. They have already exploded, right? <laughs> There's bacteria all over. Everywhere. Um, but then like being able to say things, things are better and, and feeling a good relief from that. And then once we got to the hospital and they identified they had to take me into surgery, I called Lynn's and that was an emotional phone call. And I remember thinking to myself more than anything, I just want Lindsay here. Yeah. And I was a couple hours away. It was in Salt Lake still. Yeah. It was like, what, a four-hour drive? Maybe, yeah. I don't know. It was long. It felt long. And and when I stayed that my appendix is ruptured, <laughs> most people who have their appendix taken out at this point in time, I mean, it's you're in there for like a 30-minute surgery, right? Well, it hasn't exploded. Right. It's not exploded. This, this had been probably festering for a couple of days. Mm, yeah. Um, He'd been in pain for a while. Yeah. I've been trying to offset it so that I could get insurance Insur through Another. my school. <laughs> it was starting in like a week. Another and I'm like, I just got to <laughs> stick this out. So I was actually in surgery for hours. Yeah. In fact, you were there when I woke up. Yeah. You would just, I think, barely come out. I mean, we got in the car pretty quickly after you called me. So, and most people who have... And an appendectomy will have just two small little dots of scars in their abdomen. Oh, yeah. Not I had one that was like six inches long. I'm basically out of C-section. And they told me afterwards that they they had actually pulled out most of my, my intestines looking for the appendix so that yeah. it's not to leave it in there. And then, That's gnarly. And then we sat in that hotel or in the hospital. In Rexburg, Idaho. For a whole week. Just waiting for me to drain out yeah, the bacteria. It was, it was nasty. It was nasty. It was very nasty. It was a very nasty experience. But it was a it was a big epiphany moment for me where I realized previously I I based my thought process upon love based on emotions. The fireworks that everybody associates with, like your first kiss yeah. or being in love. Anything you would imagine on some type of movie. Emotions, and I think physical, too, on some level. It was the first time that I realized that love is actually defined more by 
something disgusting. <laughs> it was disgusting. Because here I am, I had not been the best husband over the past year, two years. And here, I mean, it's sad to say that because you are, but you weren't then. Correct. I was trying to figure it out. Yeah. And I yeah. probably made mistakes too. Yeah. Um, and not admittedly, many, yeah. <laughs> so as much as I say that, well, I'm not getting into that. But I remember sitting in the hospital thinking to myself, I have not been awesome because I've been looking at love as this emotional thing that makes me feel great. And here is a woman who I've not treated well, as she deserves, over the past two years. And I smell oh. and look so bad. Yeah. Worse than I ever have in my entire yeah, life. The smell of you. And she wants to help me. Yeah. Yeah. I did actually really want to. You slept in that little recliner. recliner. They let me stay at the hospital, bless them. Every night. But that that kind of seared into my mind that love is more than what we teach. It's getting into the in our culture with bacteria drainage. Yeah, that sounds. Or holding, gross, but it's true. Holding a little bin in front of me while I'm so you can vomit. vomiting after that stuff sat in there for like five days. Yeah, it was bad. It was gross. <laughs> it was truly gross. I'm sure. Uh, Hopefully, to many people, they'll get this, but that that was actually that was a testimony point. of love. Yes, it was a turning point. Actually, that was a us. huge turning point. Yeah, we both look back at that as the moment where, with stinky fondness, with thing, when things became better for our marriage. Yeah, and that probably laid a foundation for us to be able to say that we're okay with life being hard. Well, I was going to say, I think that's the first light bulb moment where we're like, okay. Clearly, the hard stuff is for a purpose, I would think, I would say. Yeah. Yeah. So, that was, that was good. At that point in time. Rexburg, Idaho uh, saved us. Yes. A blown up appendix. Yeah. Blown Isn't up God appendix. funny? Yes. <laughs> it's hilarious. Blows up your appendix to save your marriage. In a good way. Totally. Is that worth it to you? You're worth absolutely. it. Absolutely. Don't you think? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. You're worth it. You're worth up a bone appendix. Mm -hmm. um, so we went from there. We, things got better. Things got better. And there were, I don't remember things anything. Things weren't always perfect, but they got better. We started working at the same place, um, which was good. Mm -hmm. I think it was good for that me just to, to see Lindsay in, she was actually managing a, a restaurant at that point in time to kind of see her be this manager, um, take charge of certain things. And it was good for me to see her in that aspect um, and that she could carry herself in a very respectable manner in and be productive. I don't even know what I'm trying to say here. Well, I think just get things done. I think I was more timid at home because I was walking on eggshells all the time. So I wasn't taking charge of anything or leading out in anything. I wasn't really handling anything. Because I didn't know how to what would trigger what. Yeah. You didn't know what the beast was. No. Nope. So I was very kind of timid. But I was not that way at work. So it was good for me to see you that way at work. Um, and it gave us more topics to be able to discuss and how to actually address a business. It was a lot of we were driven as well. Mm -hmm. Knowing that at some point in time we would want to work for ourselves. Yeah, actually that was probably a good 
experience to have that knowing, oh, we want to work for ourselves. Correct. Yeah. And I think as far as an assessment for, especially myself, I can't say this for everybody, but anybody who might have some um, mental illness or creativity that goes along with that may, may really think, may really benefit from working for themselves. Totally. Because that has been very beneficial <coughs> as far as my personality goes to be able to work for myself. Yep. Um, so Todd doesn't like being told what to do. <laughs> that's yeah, that's funny. <laughs> yeah. There's so many stories. Yeah. He's just better as his own boss. Right. I yeah. thought this out. I know how this is going to look in my own mind. Yep. You don't tell me otherwise. So, yeah. so from there, we, it was about two years. And again, we had lived around our parents this entire time or near our parents so that we could spend time mostly with our family socially. Yeah. Well, and we'd never, that's like what you did right? with Utah and everyone lived there. And yeah, that's how the culture kind of yeah, ran. Culture is, yeah. That way. So it was in 2004 then that we moved for dental school to Las Vegas. And I think that was also a big turning point for us. Yeah, that was good. Um, not that our families are bad. No, we love our Because they were very supportive. But it, it pushed us to be able to then establish relationships. Um, well, it forced us to lean on each other. There was We didn't know a soul. Correct. Yeah. The funny thing is we could have gone to lots of different places for school. And we chose Vegas because it was closest to home. That's true. Yeah. And it was a good fit that way. In the it diff- was. If we needed to. Or if something came up where we wanted to, we could be back home pretty totally. quick. But that we also could not go to dinner three or four times a night, three or four times a week. Yeah. We had to figure out how to just do our little, run our little house. Be us. Yeah. Um, and that was good. It was good. We, we established some really close friends in, in dental school who helped, I think, helped us kind of figure ourselves out as well. I think we were... All of us together figured out all the things, that big group of people. Yeah. And not that it was perfect. I mean, no. There was definitely conflicts that occurred with other dental students and other dental couples. Yeah. That uh, initially we may have thought, oh, this is lame. But that ended up helping us. Totally. All of us become better people. Totally. Recognize who we are. Dental school was actually a really good experience for us. Yes. It was like learning. Yeah. Yeah. I really liked it. Even though we had no money. And I had to work all the time. And you were at school all the time. Yeah. That's good. So I think one point that I actually wanted to make in that for myself, I always struggled with the idea of having children. Yes. So here we were. You were nervous. We were married five years before we actually, I actually then finally but, conceded. But explain why. It wasn't that you didn't like kids. It's not that I didn't like kids. I mean. You were nervous to pass on. Yeah. The filth. Yeah. And that's how. I get stressed enough as it is just trying to deal with my own mental problems, my own emotional problems. And with emotional problems, very low energy. Very low energy. And kids require a lot of work. Mm -hmm. And just knowing that. And I was working full time. I won't be able to provide for these kids what some of the awesome dads that I know out there provide for their kids. The poor kids that come into our family will have a dad that. Whatever. They're the luckiest sons of guns. So, but there was, I mean, amongst our friends, there was this one family that we came very close with. Mm-hmm. And they had two daughters at this point in time. Yep, they just had Holly. Can and, you say that? Can we say her name? Sorry. 
We'll scratch that out. <laughs> we'll get permission. Okay. <laughs> they just had Hannah. <laughs> okay, great. So they'd had the second daughter. And as cynical <laughs> as I was at that point in time, still about having kids. Yes, you were. This little girl just. She just liked you. Yeah. Which was weird. <laughs> it was weird. Just not that I was even looking for it, right? I wasn't no. even pining for this child's attention. She just liked you. So all of my kids, I tell them now. Yes, you tell them this all the time. You guys would not be here unless it was for. If it wasn't for Holly. Holly. Yep. Tell Holly. Good it. job, Holly. Thanks for being who you are, Holly. <laughs> she had no idea. She wasn't, wasn't even a year old. Nope. So. And shortly thereafter. 2006, we had our first child. Mm -hmm. Keller. You, this is the first time that you were having the medical issues. Reversed. Yeah. Because pregnancy was seriously enjoyable for you. <laughs> I mean, I hate to burst the bubble. Pregnancy was the worst thing ever for me. Yeah. I got super sick. I was preeclamptic with all my babies, but rest, it was nasty. So in this first child, you actually, you were hospitalized for two full weeks. Yeah, before I delivered. So my blood pressure was too high. Yeah. Preeclamptic. It was horrible. It was. Yeah. In a certain way, it did I feel... I came a month early. I did appreciate the opportunity to be able to... Now try and be the nurturer, <laughs> not to be the broken you one. You brought me movies and food and you stayed with me. Didn't you sleep with me? No. Yeah. Yeah. No, no I, I stayed there. Yeah. But you had still had school. That was the thing. Yeah. And school was leaning on that. They, they knew exactly what was going on. But you, there were things you had to go for and then you'd come back. And yeah. Our parents stepped in. But yeah. Two weeks I couldn't get out of bed. So fortunately at this point in time, I wasn't having... My own emotionally, I was. You're pretty solid right then. Yeah. Which is pretty crazy, actually. Yeah. Because considering the stress, stress usually wasn't conducive with your emotional state. Yep. But so, I think. And we had a good support system. The Wrights lived here then, too. And we had people helping. Yeah. We had a lot of good friends that, that were willing to help. And with whom, who knew my, my, my own struggles. And knew that Lindsay was struggling and just kind of kicked in, yep. which is, it was a good experience for us to have that away from our families. I was going to say, because we never had to have that role filled by someone that wasn't family. Correct. And then we literally. These people became I our mean, family. Friends are literally taking us to, taking me to doctor's appointments because I can't drive. I can't get up. I yeah. can't. The day, the day of. To the. Yeah, what was that appointment called? You had an amniocentesis to see if the baby's lungs were strong enough. They needed to take The out. same day that I was taking my boards. Your boards. My second my year boards. Had to take me. Oh, it was fun. Oh, bless Mindy. And it was like the next day that we ended up in the hospital. Yep. Right? Yep. So, good times. Yeah, all four pregnancies were horrible. That one was rough. That was, that was a doozy. Uh -huh. So, I think that's probably a good place to stop as far as this first first one goes. Yeah. You think there's anything else that needs to be said as far as dental school? For the most part, after no. that, dental school was... I, mean, I don't want to say smooth sailing, but we got into a good rhythm. You were on a good emotional... Yeah. Pretty even. Yeah. And this whole time, just trying to... Myself, <laughs> having some medical background now, trying to figure out my own issues um, biochemically. I was like going to say, we did, yeah, we did a more approach. 
we also at this point really try to be involved with God. Yeah. So a good growing experience. Yes. Okay. All right. I mean, what's the point? What are what is something you want someone listening to take out of that though? Like, why do we share that story? I want somebody who's 19, 20, 21 years old, 25 years old, 30 years old to be able to, who's going through these types of emotional issues mm-hmm. to know that they're not alone. Oh. That's that there are people who suffer from this. And I want to, we want to talk about it so that we can enable those people to kind of figure their way out as well. You don't have to reinvent the wheel, so to speak, or at least know that it's possible. Yeah. And I think I felt very alone, even though I wasn't, I could talk to you. I could talk to my parents, but I just, like I said, I didn't know what it was to talk about. It was very hard to explain. It was very hard. You know what I mean? So you felt alone. So I mean, I guess it would just to be a message of hope that it does get better, genuinely. Yes. And And that it's worth trying to figure out. Totally. Yeah. In fact, it's pretty solid. Our relationship's pretty solid. It is pretty solid. But I don't think it would have been as solid without that. No. In fact, almost the fact that the struggle actually is what makes it it worth it. And it made it more, yeah, genuinely. So, yeah. So we'll wrap that up, wrap this up for this first episode. And we'll come back and kind of explain where we've been since then. Lots of places. Starts to get really. It's messy. Yeah. (laughs) Not as far as we are concerned, but just as far as my own emotional. Yeah. Marriage, we got figured out after that. So anyway, thanks for listening. Look forward to the second podcast coming out soon. Soon.